Good morning from Stanford Christian Church. This is Pastor Jeremy. Today we finish our series on Jesus' seven messages to the seven early churches. He speaks in Revelation chapter 3, verses 14 through 22. We're going to start by reading the first half of the message, and we'll pick up the conclusion later on. Verse 14. And to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, The words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the origin of God's creation. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing. You do not realize that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. Therefore, I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire, so that you may be rich and white robes to clothe yourself and to keep the shame of your nakedness from being seen, and the salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. I reprove and discipline those whom I love. Be earnest, therefore, and repent. Jesus directs the Laodiceans to fully rely on him. He starts by indicting them as half-hearted. He says, you're neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Now, people really like this part. It gets preached a lot, and most people have heard this part. Too often, though, the picture is preached to the exclusion of the rest of the passage. These words simply illustrate the result of putting your faith in things other than Jesus. You miss the point when you divorce this section from the rest of the message. To be lukewarm is not rejecting Jesus, but it's also not being sold out for him either. They claim him, but it's superficial. They don't actually love him with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. They're religious, but they have no real relationship. They are simply in the middle, trying to serve two masters, and that Jesus fully rejects. So what has led these people to be lukewarm towards Jesus and his ways? Well, listen to what he says next. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing. You do not realize that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. They are lukewarm, caught in the middle between Jesus and the world because they are looking for their worth, their identity, and their wisdom in unsatisfying things. When you realize that you have built your life upon things that don't deliver with a promise that it, they won't last and they won't solve your problems. And then you come to know the transcendent divine glory of Jesus and all that he offers you. Then, then you will live excited, grateful, sold out and committed because you realize what treasure he is. But the Laodiceans don't see that. They think they can take care of themselves, not realizing the whole time that they are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. Now, note the last of those three things, poor, blind, and naked, because he is about to detail true renewal of those. Verse 18, he continues, he says, therefore, so that's because of what came before, because you are poor, naked, and blind, I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich, there's the poor, and white robes to clothe yourselves to keep the shame of your nakedness from being seen, so there's the answer to being naked, and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see, and there's the answer to being blind. 
apart from God, you thought you had it all. You didn't think you needed anything. So far in life, there hasn't been anything you couldn't handle, right? You know where to find Jesus if you need him. However, whether you see it or not, you are in a desperate state without Jesus. The things we, we too often rely on and build our lives upon are only temporary. We will grow old. Our bodies will fail. Popularity and power will wane and pass to others. Money and what it buys will always leave you needing more. So Jesus advises you to get your treasures, your identity, and your counsel from him. Rely on Jesus. Stop looking to money and possessions and status and jobs and worldly counsel and teachings to do for you what only God can. Don't make them your God. The question is, what do you stand on? When you have a problem, what do you turn to? When you hope for the future or you need to make a decision, where do you look? Is it Jesus and his word? He gives true riches. Laodicea was a prosperous city that was known for lavish living. When an earthquake devastated most of the city, it's said that the emperor was furious because the people were able to build it back before help from Rome could arrive. They didn't rely on him, but on themselves. The church was not really trusting in Jesus. I feel like I hear a lot of the American church here things we should be able to sympathize with. They felt like they could handle their lives all on their own. The value and benefit of knowing Jesus and the gospel far outweigh anything in this life. We have to learn to see things with eternal eyes and understand that our life is a tiny dot on the eternal timeline of our existence. I know that it is almost impossible to fathom, but we must try. The promises he has made to you of a place to belong in his kingdom, his presence, his love, his guidance, protection, provision, his peace and joy and renewal are the greatest things that you could ever possess, and they will never fade. There will never be a time when they come to an end. You will always enjoy them. A good way to evaluate yourself here is to do a survey of your time each day. What do you spend your time on? Look for activities that come from a reliance of God. Also, think about activities that you could remove or shrink. Then replace them with things that are focused on Jesus. The next one is, he gives you white robes. Your clothing communicates a lot about your identity. You can generally tell a lot about a person by looking at their clothes. It says, he gives white robes to clothe yourself and to keep the shame of your nakedness from being seen. Now, we remember Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. They realized that they were naked and ashamed when they did. Before sin, they didn't know shame or guilt. It wasn't a thing. Everything was exposed. They were naked, and they weren't ashamed. But when they disobeyed and rejected God as their God, even though he drove them from the, his presence in the garden, he still cared for them. And so he made clothes to cover their shame, it says. The idea of clothing representing, uh, representing the covering of our shame is not new. Four chapters later in the Revelation, in 7.14, we're told that the robes are white because they are washed in the blood of the Lamb, which is Jesus. He is the sacrificial Lamb who was sacrificed to atone for your sins. 
The white robes certainly emphasize our forgiveness, our new life, our ability to come to God holy and righteous through Jesus, our transformation from sinners to saints, our belonging to the, uh, to the kingdom uh, of, of God instead of the kingdom of the world. One great way to accept your new identity in Jesus is to meditate on what God says about you in his word. We shy away from the term meditation because we think about Hindu and Buddhist meditation. The difference is that these meditations teach you to clear your mind and connect to the universe. But Christian meditation is emptying your mind of all the distractions to fill it with the truths of Christ. We read the Bible. But often we just get through our reading and then we close the Bible and next and we move on to our next task. But I urge you to spend some time thinking about what you read, praying about it to God. One of the questions I encourage people to ask is, what does this teach me about myself? Don't just read the Bible, what the Bible says about believers, but meditate on the fact that it is true of you. You are a child of God. You are loved and desired and sought after. You are forgiven. You are a new creation. You are his witness. You are heirs in his kingdom. You are holy. He also gives us understanding. It says he gives salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. He gives the ability to see things correctly. He's talking about both the supernatural opening of your eyes by the Holy Spirit to understand the truth as well as wise counsel that he gives in his word. The best gauge for if you trust in Jesus or something else is your prayer life. If you have a healthy, regular life, prayer life seeking God's truth and guidance, then I bet you have a healthy reliance on Jesus. If you rarely pray, then I would wager you are relying on other things and that you are lukewarm at best. Jesus preached the Sermon on the Mount, teaching them how to live faithfully as part of his kingdom, to love their neighbor, to, to turn the other cheek, that anger and lust are murder and adultery in your heart. And he teaches us to pray and not to be anxious, for your Father in heaven knows what you need. And when he gets to the end, he says, he who hears these words of mine and acts on them is like a man who built his house on the rock. On the other hand, the foolish man built his house on the sand. So when the storm came in, washed out the sand from under the house, and the whole thing fell, but the rock was sturdy, it did not move. And the wise man's house stood. What are you building your life on? What principles do you live by? What shapes the way you see the world? Who do you follow? So how do we take the next step and gain the treasures and the counsel that Jesus wants to give us? Let's open the conclusion of the message in verse 20. Listen, I am standing at the door knocking, Jesus says. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and eat with you and you with me. To the one who conquers, I will give a place with me on my throne. Just as I myself conquered and sat down with my father on his throne, let anyone who has an ear listen to what the Spirit is saying to the church. The Laodicean church had answered the door, but they kept Jesus waiting on the porch. They didn't receive him to come into the inner places of their heart and eat with him. Did, did not keep him at arm's length. Just going through the motions of religion without the relationship. He wants to come into your life and transform it at the core, not just to paint up the outside and put a Christian sign in the front yard. Jesus knocks at the door. 
to not ignore him because you are too busy with today's chores, too preoccupied with your goals and dreams, or because you like your space just the way it is and don't want him coming in to rearrange it. Many accept his religion. They claim cultural Christianity, but have you accepted Jesus and received him into your inner places? That is scary, I know, because you and I both know that if you let him in there, if you really start spending time with him and start getting to know him and following him, he's going to transform things. And you're going, you were fearful of, uh, of changing and, 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 and it leads you to places that you're scared to go. Then in the next verse, he flips it the other way around and he says, if you are full, if you fully receive him and let him into your inner places, that he will give you a place on his throne. He will invite you to his inner places. He is inviting us to an intimate relationship where we are one with him. He is inviting you to a real relationship. Now, we commemorate this every week in communion, right? We celebrate our oneness with Jesus and one another. We literally take him into ourselves, and he is part of us. That's the picture we have here. We are joining into his life, his death, his resurrection, one with him and with one another. Today, don't be lukewarm. Don't just give up your Sundays. Don't just do what's comfortable. But sell out to Jesus. Commit. Invite him in and fully rely on him. Give up all your treasures and your identity and your way of life and receive from him the riches and the white robes and the healing counsel that he offers you. His ways lead you to the throne of God, to true and everlasting goodness, joy, and peace. Thank you so much for listening to Stanford Christian Church today. Uh, once again, my name is Pastor Jeremy. I hope that you'll go to our website, www.stanfordchristianchurch.com. You can learn a lot more about our church there. There's also tabs in the menu where you can give to our ministry, as well as uh, uh, find out about your first time uh, coming to visit us. Uh, we are on Sunday mornings every Sunday at 10.50 a.m., you can also click the Contact Us tab to let us know you're listening and how we can pray for you and help you follow Jesus. Have a great week. Love God, love others, and tell somebody about Jesus.